If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with MyBookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Jeff Cameron Show, great to be with you. Appreciate you being with us. I'm Jeff. That is Tom, Director Matthew in the house as well. Follow me on Twitter. You can at Jay Cameron Show. It is go time. Football begins for Florida State this week. Music to our ears, no doubt. Feels good to say it. I'm excited about it. I know you are too. Big recruiting weekend coming up. We referenced some of that in the first hour as well. Florida State sits in a pretty good position for a few of these guys, high-profile guys at that. So looks like uh, the, the, the the entities that be, the third party, the, the rising spears of the world are doing well, and they could always use more money. So, hey, if it brings us players that allow for uh, improved efforts on the recruiting trail, do what we got to do. Things are already getting better, and that's a, that's a good sign. So big weekend this weekend, big week for practice. Obviously tomorrow, the lunch, and we talked about that too, is a chance for the, the media to get together and start talking to the coaches. And you, right before the break, were asking me what am I looking forward to most. And I don't know what we're going to hear other than he thinks that this team is, is together, is bought in, and has worked real hard. And uh, to me, ultimately, when you're in a place where you've put in the time, you put in the effort, you put in the work in the offseason, and you've gotten focused and you're all pulling in the same direction, your grand reward is that the, this is the moment. Now you get to go out there and, and, and play this season out, and it might be your first winning one in a long time. And it's just strange to say that. It's difficult to say that, but it's true. I think they're certainly in a position to have a winning year. It's just a question of how far above and beyond 500 do they get. Uh, anything less than that, then we're, we're looking around at one another again with sort of the uh, – uh, the Kermit meme and just kind of nodding our heads, realizing that it's over. That uh, it would, in my mind, it would be over for this coaching staff. If I had to guess, we're not going to see that meme tomorrow. What's interesting is it's going to be fresh in your mind uh, and your gut, the instinct you feel after talking to the coaching staff, Mike Norvell. You guys are going to be live tomorrow from two to three p.m. for Seminole Headlines. Uh, the first hour is going to be recorded. 
But I look forward to hearing that because I won't have a chance to ask you, Ira or Corey, how you feel about what you heard today. You're going to be gone mm-hmm. after the lunch ends over. So Racing over here to yeah. do the second hour of Seminole Headlines Live. First hour, we're going to put content together, in fact, today, uh, so that we are able to be at that luncheon tomorrow and then race over here for the second hour live and we'll react to what we hear and what we see. And again, uh, you're at a you're at a time where I think uh, hope springs eternal. So I can't imagine there's anything but uh, a good feeling. I don't know that we're going to learn anything significant. Um, I, I, I will be interested because he's going to get asked about it. And I don't know what we'll be able to say and not say tomorrow, but how far along is Winston Wright? I think it's vital to the season that he be back sooner rather than later. I think there's a chance that all of a sudden the, the level of upgrade at your receiving within your receiving segment uh, changes dramatically. I, I, I don't look, are they going to be an elite group? No. But can they be serviceable to decent? Yeah, I think that's really true if he's there because he's done it in games in the Power Five consistently. Yeah, and Mike did not give a timetable last week up in Charlotte, but he did offer something along the lines of he's had a special attitude in his rehab and he's in an advanced stage in his rehab. So maybe the question tomorrow is how advanced has the rehab process been? Compared to your expectations for Winston Mike, Wright. in terms of stages, how advanced is the stage that Winston Wright currently stands on? <laughs> like a literal stage? Yeah, I, I, um, I'll tell you this. You'll probably be able, you talk about body language and getting a read and, and just the tenor. You know, you'll, you, if that question's asked, the way he answers that will tell you a lot, whether he speaks in, you know, non sequiturs and mumble jumble, it doesn't matter. I mean, that'll be all right. You know, you'll still have a, a sense of what that is. Yes, everybody's going to be reading LSU. That's what they're reading for in the signal. It's like, what's he holding here? What are his cards? Oh, no, that's not an LSU card. Okay. I will tell you that as we start this season and everybody does have their mind on LSU, even though Florida State plays a warm-up game against Duquesne, and really – as much as I'm excited to see football, and, and I'm ready now to wrap my head around the fact that it's football season. Like I was saying in the last hour, and the first first thing that I saw this morning over coffee was football on the ACC Network, and I was just laughing because I was sitting there watching those games, and I was I was beginning to tell you about seasons and about how normally when it's the off season, I can't jump right in until it's bona fide that season. So, you know, if you try to show me a baseball game in December – I really, I, I'm not interested. Uh, January, February, I'm not interested. You show me a baseball game in March or April, and we're, we're now we're talking. Here we go. It's 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 time. Football. I'm that same way. Once football season hits, I'm all things football. But it usually takes me a little bit to kind of get there for that first week. Mm, no, I can tell. I am gung ho. I I watched a whole quarter this morning of a game I already knew the result of. That's got to tell you. Uh, and it wasn't a Florida State game, and I was still locked in. I was still reminding myself of uh, what happened in this situation. I was kind of first guessing, trying to remember, oh, this is where they go for it on fourth down. This is where, you know, all that stuff. It was fun. So what are you going to be looking for on Wednesday? I get they're not in pads, nah. but, uh, well, they're are newcomers. Yeah, that's you know, the only thing I'm going to look for. Is there a guy that you're like, I wonder what this guy looks like? The t- yeah, the tight end. Uh, the oh, Powers? Powers, yeah. That, that's the first guy I'm going to look at. Okay. Who are you looking at? Who are you excited Dimitri for? Emmanuel. Fair. Fair. I yeah, would have been high on the list, too. Yeah, you're right. Just looking, because there are other body types in this offensive line now. They're not all small. You know, let's just full stop there. They're not all tiny. Well, okay, so here's a veteran, Maurice Smith. Okay. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. if the rumors are true that he's been able to put on weight, it changes the dynamic and the competition and who can slide over and play guard. Who can? So all of a sudden, yeah, you might have 
I would look at that almost as gaining a player. Because with Maurice Smith being as small as he was, especially in the second half of the season, where, again, we've described that he was on roller skates, against the better defensive lines, they just displaced him off the snap. And he had a you know he had a tough situation because he was undersized, he had a back ailment, it affected his snapping, a lot of things that would affect you physically that then in turn affect your mentally your, your mental focus. So I think it was a downward spiral for a kid that otherwise understands the game and could be a better player if he was capable of the physical. So does he get there? Does he is he two ninety five? Is he looking like a guy that's right. got a chance? Yeah, I'd say he's put on close to twenty pounds. I know that that's what the listing says. It's seventeen. I'm gonna look at him. But when you're when you're listed at two seventy one in spring, I, I just wonder if they're protecting you. Like listing work done at five nine or five ten. You know, I, I don't know. That might just be. Hey, can you lean on the scale a little harder? Maybe uh, hold on to your textbooks there for a mm-hmm, second while mm-hmm. we take your weight. But if he's put on, you know, if he's even in the the mid two eighties, you're gonna tell. And then the other guy is Robert Scott. I mean, he's almost put on 20 pounds in four months? The hell? How? Well, Robert Scott's a kid that has room because he's a big kid. Yeah. And he's also a kid, and we all remember the great job that Aslan did on Warchant.com with the video where he sat down with Robert Scott last year. That was a lot of fun. But what, one of the things that I took away from that was not just uh, the good job that Aslan did and the fun it was to listen to Robert Scott, but the zeal with which he attacked workouts. I came away realizing that that was a kid that accepted the difficulty and the building blocks along the way. And working out, especially uh, in the offseason, you know, you know how necessary it is, but when you're not playing in a game and you're not you know, going out on a practice field, and you're just trying to get bigger and stronger and really challenge yourself, and Coach Storms is doing that, that can get really old in a hurry. So you have to have the right mental attitude about making gains, and he seemed to, like, love it. He loved the, he loved being overwhelmed. He even laughed about it. He's oh, man. you know. And then he saw the growth, and that is so rewarding. It's been a long time since I did any kind of strength lifting like that. I mean, I lift now just to try to stay in shape, but not, like, build and build and build. And I remember, you know, you, you hit those – when you plateau, that's tough. And trying to break through those plateaus is really, really tough. It's frustrating. But to embrace that and then get the reward of it and to hear it in his voice, that excited me because I still thought he had a long way to go. And I still think he does. He's a player that amongst the fan base and amongst people I hear talk, in my mind, now listen, I'm not saying he doesn't have the potential to take that big step, but he's he's really overrated. I mean, people talk about him like he's a, an established left tackle that can really play. Nah, no, he's yet to do that. He's yet to do that. He's played. He's had to start. He hasn't been good. Yeah, we're in agreement on that. He's had good moments, but he hasn't been consistently no. what a starting left tackle for a program such as Florida State should be. And he's not even close. And and just because he's one of the guys you put in ink as a starter doesn't mean necessarily that he is, you know, what he should be or what the standard right, should be. Right, but he was a kid who had to play. But like you, I agree that he has the potential to be that. Most certainly he yeah, does. Yeah, sure, sure. My only concern is if you're putting on 20 LBs, do you still have the range of motion necessary to be able to pull it off? And and maybe he does. Again, he, he does have the frame to be able to put yeah, on that much does. weight. This is four months. I mean, are, are we finally arriving at a Bama table where in four months you could have a body type like that put on nearly 20 pounds? That's well, amazing. He's, he's he's moving into the grown man years. You know, we that talked helps, about that. You know, you 20. move into the grown man years and then – yeah, 20, well, he's a big dude, and maybe we're like if just, Kaniah Charlton lost eighteen or twenty pounds, I wouldn't bat an eye. No, he had a lot to lose. Lord knows, I hope he has. But a three hundred and ten pounder putting on twenty pounds—holy smokes! 
I want to see Bless Harris's toughness in, in fall camp. Something to pay attention to. I, I thought that physically he was better than I anticipated. He was not um, – I viewed him in a certain light uh, when I looked at his film, and then when we saw him, I thought he looked a lot more athletic than I thought he was going to be. So does he meet the the requisite toughness uh, that it takes to, to dominate people and to really hold your own over there? Fall camp will be a good test for that. I'm ready to watch that. That would be the second half of the S&C program, the conditioning program, mm-hmm. because that was a huge emphasis towards the end of spring where Atkins said, look, I'm going to leave him out there. And so if we switch the other four, he's going to stay out there because I need to see him not taper off. Well, you're trying to get a guy to understand what it truly means to be tough. And you have to test the boundaries at that point, not just physically, like with the physical contact and the play-to-play-to-play, but rather the mental and the mental is when you're exhausted and you're going through that rep and you got it's got to be a good rep and you got to find that strength from within it's all these cliche things that that actually make football awesome because it's one of the sports that truly tests all of that uh, and it does so down to down series to series practice to practice game to game and so if you can find it within yourself time and again especially when you're out of shape and you're trying to earn a spot uh, to to reach down deep and get there then that tells you a lot about a kid's character and what he's willing to do and how much he's willing to sacrifice or not, or not. And that's a big deal too because if you're a coach evaluating and you're looking at a kid who said you say to yourself, okay, he's got the requisite bend, he's got decent feet, he's he's, you know, he's sufficiently strong, but I need him to be much more physical, consistently. So, is he going to commit to that? Is he going to commit to the fitness that it takes to do that? And if the answer in your mind is no at the end of spring, well, now you have a competition on your hands in the fall that is going to tell you who's starting in that game against Duquesne, more importantly, who's starting in that game against LSU, where they will have some grown-ass men coming at you. Well, um, the wild card in it is uh, Turnitine, you know, the transfer from South Carolina, who has... Truly a wild card. I have no idea what to expect from him. Right, because performance metrics by a service that sometimes we are a little bit leery of in in pro football focus say great and terrible, and not (laughs) great against teams you'd expect him to be great against if he's terrible against bad teams. So good against the good, bad against the bad. Is that playing to level your competition? What is it? What? What? Why is it not consistent? But does that mean that if he is at a new place, fresh start, he's going to be in a place where he could be consistent? And if so, does that mean he could crack the tackle rotation? You have a guy in Coach Atkins whom has earned our trust implicitly. So when we bring in offensive linemen, even if there are red flags, even if there are concerns about, I don't want to say character, but there's got to be a reason that a guy is available in that situation and whose performance was so varied. I don't know if it's a focus thing. If it, I don't know what it is. But if, if your coach, Coach Atkins, who is tough and has really been far and away our best coach on this staff. I mean, this is a guy that can really recruit. This is a guy who develops what he has, what he inherited. This is a guy who finds a way to scheme open a running game when you have a non-existent drop-back passing game. This is a guy who's able to scheme open a running game where safeties have walked down into the box because your receivers aren't a threat. So this guy across the board, X's and O's, motivation, technique, recruiting, check, 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 all of it. Why do I bring it up? Well, when you bring in these guys, especially guys that we have question marks about, you have to give them the benefit of the doubt based on he okayed it. He sees something in that guy's film that he thinks he can get out of him more consistently. Yeah, that's the argument I made last night on Smash about Emmanuel. Is I don't think he's come here just to raise the floor in the background. 
I think he's come here to compete to start. I agree with you. Yeah, and Atkins, I don't know that he'd want him to. You know, if you like the kid at your previous stop, he'd say, go play. If you don't think he can play here, go play. Yeah. You don't have to be here. You got one shot left at this yeah, thing. go play somewhere, yeah. So that tells me that he believes, Atkins does, that Emmanuel has a real shot to be a starting guard for us. Yeah, and, and he has tackle experience too, but it's just I, I think he would inside would probably be the lean. You and I are in total agreement on this. I looked at it a lot of different ways. I looked at it as, hmm, they're not sure what they have at the other guard spot because because Dylan Gibbons is a starter. So we're looking at one spot, and it's the right guard spot. Okay, so. Right, but if if Maurice Smith's size is in a good place, so then Caden Lyles has a the chance loser to play, of that battle. Whoever it is can can shift over and play guard and compete for the job, even with an Emmanuel or correct Darius or whoever. Yeah, and I thought that was interesting. I mean, I love the idea of not only just throwing bodies at the problem, which you have to do because it's a position that you know obviously suffers a lot of injuries, so much contact play to play, and also they're big guys. But you know. If you if, and that's a big if again with Marie Smith, but if that happens, Caden Lyles, who does not have the same sort of we don't think at least we haven't seen it yet, quickness of a Dylan Gibbons, get out there and pull and do those sorts of things. It's interesting. Would you put him at guard and let him be a road grader, understanding his limitations? Just this is a guy that's blocking downhill and he is just a masher. Um, can't use him in the same way that you use Dylan Gibbons. I mean, maybe you could. Well, I mean, maybe you have a rotation. We laughed about this a while back, but could it be that you have a rotation on the offensive line based upon what it is you want to do week to week? Yeah, it's tough because eventually that gets picked up on, and those tendencies are giveaways, and you got to be careful with that. But if you could pass pro, though, it doesn't matter as true. much. That's true, yeah. But here's the other thing, too, where I get excited. You know, many times over the years we've gone into the IPF or over to Doak, and you see a different class of player that comes in, even as a true freshman. <laughs> right off the bat, you're like, oh, that's different. Right. Jalen Ramsey's the best example. Yeah. Most recent example is Azaria Thomas. How about the offensive lineman that just came in? I mean, I'm not saying that I was wowed at first sight with Daughtry Richardson and Kaniah Charlton. I was wowed how big Kaniah was. But, but Kaniah has a lot of bad weight. He does, yeah. but he, he has quick feet for having such bad weight. I mean, yeah, lots he, and lots of bad weight, so I know why he's here. And Daughtry Richardson, I can see the frame. I know why he's here, but with an Armella and a Sap and an Early, when we get over there on Wednesday, do you say, oh, man, that's the way well, a freshman a offensive way. lineman should look. Uh, let's get excited. I hope so. I, I, I would like to wait. Hey, so we got a good question on the board here, and, and Ryan asks it. Do you think Norvell evaluates talent commiserate to playing at a very high Power 5 level? You know what, Ryan? I think he does. I think he does. The one, If you want to praise him for something, I do think it's player evaluation. Now, they haven't always got the guys they've gone after, and I've got some issues with staff on that, and I think we all know one of those guys for sure. But... In terms of evaluating the players they do bring in, including kids that are maybe not as well thought of in the recruiting service game, but that you've brought in and have shown immediate ability to play and pay dividends, well, I don't think there's any question he does a good job of evaluating those kids and projecting their upside, how they would be utilized. Yes, I do. I think he does. Yeah, in the last 12 months, you could look at either the transfer portal or high school ranks and say both. They've knocked it out of the park. With evaluation. With evaluation. Yeah, they haven't always got the, the yeses you've needed. In sure. This, but you're correct. I think they have an evaluation. I don't think there are too many swings and misses 
where you just go, well, uh, what were you doing there? Now, they have a couple of portal. You're always going to do that. I mean, I, I don't want to keep bringing it up. because right. we got a Scully to burn. I mean, you might as well just give it to a walk-on at that point, I suppose. But even some of the walk-ons that they have, you know, I mean, uh, C.J. Campbell is a candidate. I don't know if he's been awarded a Scully or if he's going to be, and maybe that's a thing that they want to put out there in fall camp. I really don't know. But that's one example of a player where you go, okay, all right, that, mm-hmm. that guy is that guy is adding to practice. Treshawn Ward was that player. Without Scout question. team player Without of the question, year. Yeah. It and Michael made that point, uh, I believe it was on a recruiting chat or mailbag feature that was on the site last week. They spend a lot of time looking at their PWOs and looking at the walk ons. They need them to help because they know that in this program, the way it is right now, mm-hmm. that guy could actually make a difference if you have a rash of injuries at a position, whereas maybe you could be a little bit more liberal with it. If you're, you know, built like Alabama. Yeah, you have got to find talent wherever it lies, and when you're when you're in the midst of a rebuild, that could very well be through the walk-on ranks. It's not ideal, and I don't like having to get mired into walk-on talk about who's going to help because if your program is really humming, then that's a very rare occurrence. That's All it a, is is a further illustration of the detail yeah, and evaluation yeah. and the time they spend on it. Yeah, and I, I do, and I think they're doing a good job of making connections. I mean, this weekend's recruiting hall, in terms of who's coming at the end of July, because August is dead, is a big deal. And he, he, they've got a ton of four-star kids and really talented kids coming in here. So part of evaluation and recruiting and all that is connection, is recruiting, is is winning and building relationships. I think they're doing a good job for what they've been a losing program. The next step, the step to getting the elite players and more of them in here on a consistent basis, it really isn't about shaking hands and kissing babies and selling dreams. It's about kicking ass on the football field. That's all it is. You got to win games. And I, you know, so for example, a kid like Akeem Williams. So he comes in this week and we've got him circled. Everybody's excited. I'm sitting over here talking about Rising Spear and trying to raise money so that we have options for these young men who might be entertaining the idea of coming to Florida State. Coincidentally. Yeah, coincidentally. So, so. What's the bottom line? Well, that's all well and good, but don't go out and go six and six because he ain't coming. <laughs> He's not coming. I thought it was Stone Cold said so. No, no, no. Got to win some games. Now I'm not in touch with his camp, but that's the feeling I get, Tom. I think they're gonna have to win some games. The sense I get of that situation is that they may need to win eight games. Yeah, be in the ballpark. They got to show that the the proof of concept that is an overused phrase, but uh, this would be an opportunity. Well, proof of concept. On a golf course, when you say snowman, people wince. <laughs> For this football season, you say woo! snowman, people what a, woo. What a beautiful snowman. It's Jeff Cameron, show 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. 3.3. By the way, I'm just looking ahead at, uh, goodness gracious, taking a look at uh, LSU's roster and the projected starting lineup. Now, uh, this can change, but go through the offense and the defense. You have, really quickly, a transfer, a transfer, a transfer, a transfer, a transfer on the starting defense. That's one, two, three, four, five of the 11. And on the offense, one, two, three, four, debatable starters on the offense uh, that are transfer portal guys as well. So they're going through a lot of a lot of change. And then, if you'd like, if you're asking the question, is this year's LSU team and somebody did on the chat uh, more talented than last year's Notre Dame team that we faced? <laughs> 
Well, because there are so many transfers, I have a hard time off the cuff answering that. But if you go to a site like, say, Our Lads or something like that and just look at the projected starting lineup, they do a pretty good job with that. Um, and again, camp will help dictate terms. Guys get hurt, competitions are won, whatever. But you can go through and click on every one of those guys and you can find out what they were. Find out what they were. Is that a four-star kid? Is that a five-star kid that transferred in? Is that a two-star kid? Is that a guy? You know, you can get a sense. Some of these guys are, of course, returning starters that played last year. I mean, a, a bulk of them are on a team that obviously massively underachieved but had talent. Now, that had to do with the mess of a situation they were in with Ed Orgeron. Yeah, I think, again, this is just a matter of where you get the team on the schedule. It's it's highly beneficial to Correct. grab a group that's unlearning and learning in the first week of their season, second week for us. And then, for example, Miami is the other side of the coin because Miami will have the full system that they're running down by the time we see them later in the year. Yes, they will. And it's a – yeah, I, I, I totally agree the idea of playing LSU early is is huge for us. Um, they'll get better as the year goes on, just as Miami will, unfortunately. But you're right, yeah. See if we can get that, steal that one while they're figuring it out. And that's where the warm-up game excites you. Let's bring him in. Irashfellwarchant.com joins me, my cohort. Excited, I know, as uh, I am Ira. Here we go, buddy. It's time. It is here, Jeff. Can't, can't wait. Can't wait for Wednesday. You know, Tom asked me something a moment ago, uh, and I, I wasn't sure that I had any one thing, one specific thing. I wonder if you do. What are you most excited to hear tomorrow from Coach Norvell or learn from the coaches? Is there any one thing that you want to gauge? Because I think we know that this team is better. You and I have talked a lot about it this entire offseason. We know they're better. We don't know how much better. Everybody's trying to get a gauge on how much better they can be. But is there any one thing that you're going to be listening for tomorrow or trying to read through body language, whatever it might be? Yeah, I don't know if there'll be anything on the record unless he announces that, hey, Winston Wright has been completely cleared yeah. and will will practice full speed, full contact on day one. Um, I don't know that there'll be anything like definitively. Um, uh, you know, I think, to be honest with you, I think we'll probably glean the most from, you know, just conversations with some of the, the staff that we get to have, um, you know, just kind of get a read from them. Because, you know, again, like we talked to Mike Norvell at ACC kickoff and, you know, Tom and Aslan and I who, who were there, we were able to kind of, you know, maybe pick up some nonverbal things and some things that we uh, may want to make judgments on or base judgments on. Uh, tomorrow we'll have a chance to talk to, you know, the whole staff mm-hmm. and maybe be able to pick up some things that way. Yeah, it's hard to believe it's here, and I know we're all excited to get out there and, and to do this yet again. And I think we believe, in all honesty, in our heart of hearts, that this is a team that's a, in a, an above 500 team. Are you still there? That's your headset mindset, that they're definitely an above 500 team as we go break camp here? Yeah, I am. I mean, I think that, you know, I'm still looking at somewhere in that 7-5, 8-4 ballpark. And, uh, you know, could they finish 6-6? Six and six? Yes. Could they finish... Uh, nine and three. I think that's possible, but yeah, I think still seven and five and eight and four is that sweet spot. You know, I'm excited to note that this weekend, and I don't often ask you because we have Michael Langston to do this, and we will later in the week on Thursday. But this is a big weekend for recruiting and to get kids in here this weekend of the caliber that I see listed um, in the last weekend that you can recruit. Uh, August is dead. Tells me that they're doing a good job on two fronts. Uh, your thoughts on what we're seeing with this because. It looks like they're in IL, house is in order, and it would look like certainly they're making the, the requisite connections with high school coaches and players needed to upgrade your level of recruiting. Because these are some big names coming in this weekend. Yeah, and, you know, ultimately we need to see them there, you know, because cause one of the challenges for a week like this is this, is, this weekend is going to be big for a lot of schools. A lot of schools are trying to get these kids on their campus because 
things have been shut down for the last four weeks or so uh, from in-person recruiting. So now you've got this window here before camp starts, and a lot of uh, schools are, are you know, having barbecues or different activities. Uh, and as you said, it looks like Florida State's got a lot of high-profile guys and a lot of guys that you want to see on your campus for an event like this. But, you know, there's going to be last-minute jockeying, and you're going to see other <laughs> trying to get those guys as well. So I, I don't know how great I'll feel about it until actually we get through the weekend. Is there a player, as we get set for the start of practice, that you think will will probably have surprised us the most since we last saw them in spring? Either by gains, yeah. uh, whatever it might be, who's a who's a player that you that you're hearing good things about? Well, you know, uh, you know, we mentioned it before that we, you know we've been hearing that Maurice Smith has been able to put on some weight. And the numbers show that the numbers they just put out, he's up to close to 290 pounds. Um, but I also, man, you know, I really want to see Caden Lyle um, because you know he has dropped a little bit of weight, and you know he wasn't full speed in the spring. He's coming back from uh, an injury that you know cut short his season up at Wisconsin. Uh, but now he's been here a long time. You know, this is, uh, you know, a lot of those early enrollees are the guys that transferred in in January. We see them in March and April, and they've only been on campus for a couple months. Well, now it's a different story. Those guys have been here for six, seven months. And, uh, you know, he's a perfect example of a guy that I I think, you know, he may look different than what we saw him in the spring. He may move better. Uh, he's lost some weight. And, uh, again, I think that opens up a lot of opportunities, whether or not, he beats out Maurice Smith or Maurice Smith holds him off, um, you know, there's a possibility maybe he goes to a different position. So, um, But I think he's a key part. I mean, they, they brought in a bunch of offensive line transfers, but, man, it would be great if Caden Lyles could be what we hoped he would be when we found out they're bringing in a, an interior offensive lineman from Wisconsin, of all schools, mm-hmm. uh, who, who's going into his fifth or sixth year of college. I guess I should ask you the obligatory uh, any Winston Wright updates. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, should we uh, do we th- yeah. do we think he's on path to to have a chance to play by the time we play LSU? I'm gonna ask you every time I see you. Yeah, man, I don't know about that. I mean, I, I don't. Uh, I will say this. You know, the the people that are uh, have been around him this summer, you know, have not wanted to rule anything out. So um, he's apparently done tremendous in his rehab, and and everybody's different. And some guys, as we saw, with, you know, and again, it's a totally different injury from Cam Akers. But everybody thought Cam Akers' season was over, and he ended up coming back to play late in the year. So um, it's it's amazing what the human body can do now, especially with these finally dude athletes. So uh, I wouldn't rule anything out, but I would guess he's probably not playing in that game. But, man, it would be awesome to see him running routes uh, this this next week or two at camp. Woo! Let's hold our breath and hope it happens, man. I'll see you soon. Be good, brother. Thanks, Jeff. See you, man. Yep. Irish Chappelle, there's not much more to ask right now, man. We we, we It's time to get it on. I mean, I'll Everything's yeah. speculative, but we're going to have things that are concrete. And, and it starts this week. We're going to see it. This is the week to start to report, not to ask questions. Yeah. I mean, right now we're asking you to theorize or to project or give an opinion on. Uh, soon we'll be able to tell you, yeah, this guy looks great, is playing well at practice, isn't playing well at practice, whatever it might be. We can talk about those position battles. Um, I, You know, a guy I forget about, I don't know why. I know we got to go to break, but I was just thinking about this. Like, you – You've been good about bringing up Omar Graham and how at linebacker, that's a kid that even as a freshman kind of flashed. And the fact that Mike Norvell brought his name up at the ACC kickoff was kind of surprising to me. So clearly he's continued to progress and bought in, worked hard, and and, and who knows, I don't know how many snaps he's going to get, but he's pushing the other linebackers, which is a good sign. Yeah, that's a fun position group to watch. You you like your two guys at the top, but – Amari Gaynor had a good spring. DJ Lundy is trimmed down again. And Omar Graham is a hit so far.
They like what they see there. So who is going to compete and come out for the second rotation of those snaps? Well, and what I was going to say is you've done a good job of presenting that name as somebody that will be in some way in the rotation perhaps, but I don't ever bring up Sam McCall. And I really should, not at linebacker, but in the secondary. I, I don't ever bring up Sam McCall, and there's a toughness and a nastiness and an athleticism and all that that's there, but it got lost in the shuffle because Zaria Thomas is a guy that we were just wowed by because he's smooth, silky, silky smooth. He seems to have great instincts. It's it's effortless for him as an athlete, but McCall is an elite athlete and a, a hitter and nasty and plays with a passion. How quickly does he come into form? To where he can, he, you know, he can spell some guys and and maybe make an impact and not hurt you as a young player. Yeah, and there's some density to him as well yeah. that might help you on special teams. I mean, you got guys like Graham and McCall to add to the special teams unit that have been woeful. Maybe they get a little bit better because the depth of your roster demands that you're going to put better players out there in situations where you can help leverage the field position game your way. First question: Ask him about Ryan Fitzgerald. Coach, uh, I know you're going to get a lot of questions today. Let, let's talk about the offseason Ryan Fitzgerald's had. You should talk about that with uh, Ira for either tomorrow's headlines live or the uh, recorded portion portion of the show because he said last night, I don't, I'm a lot higher on Ryan Fitzgerald than a lot of my colleagues here. So I'd like to hear you guys debate the merits of a 44-yard field goal from Fitzgerald when you got to have it. Who believes? Are we tied? Are we down? Tied, there's an increased likelihood no, of going to make it. No, Tied, I, I yeah. feel pretty good. Trailing, not as much. He made that one against ND, but that was the first game of the year last year. Yeah, I didn't feel good about it when he went out there, but hey, he did make it. You're right. <laughs> it's Jeff Carey, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. My sister got lucky, married a yuppie. Yeah, uh... Guy we haven't talked about because he's Steady Eddie, and I just saw it mentioned here. I'm excited, excited, excited for the year that Robert Cooper is going to have. I, I, I think he's going to be a man uh, that we can count on to lock it down interior time and again, week in, week out. It's cool to go into games knowing that that's a, that's a, that's a no-go for teams up the middle. He's an entertaining guy. I look forward to hearing from him this season. Should be fun. Entertaining guy, interesting guy, hardworking guy, talented player. Going to be one of the better ones. Um, I, I think. Uh, I think he's going to be uh, a guy who plays his way into a beneficial financial position in the National Football League. Jeff, can you give us a projection of the spread for the Louisville game since it's a pivotal game for you? Well, it's a pivotal game for Florida State. Um, if you think about it from the standpoint of you, you're going to beat Duquesne. Now, let's say you beat LSU, and you're you're a three point underdog currently to LSU. Uh, but let's say you you beat LSU, you pull off a mild upset, and now you're in a position. We talk about the need to have a great start to the season for a variety of reasons, but you can start with recruiting. But then the other thing to point to is. This is a group um, that has been, I would say, devoid of confidence or real belief. I mean, how could you have any? You haven't really achieved anything to, to garner that kind of belief. You win that game, you start to feel better about who you are, what you are, the expectations shift, your belief in yourself and your teammates and what's possible on the season all changes. And so you would go into that Louisville game emboldened, but with an opportunity to go 3-0. and 
and you'd start off on the right foot in the conference. At that point in time, you're in the top. You're solidly inside the top twenty. Uh, you, you know, again, rankings, whatever, early in the season. But you would be, you would go from unranked to top twenty. You beat LSU and Louisville. You're in the top twenty, and now all of a sudden, everything about the way you're perceived changes, but also the belief in yourself changes. Uh, so that game is is massive. If you lose the LSU game, then that becomes a game you simply cannot lose. If you're going to have any momentum in recruiting, if you're going to have any chance whatsoever to have a kind of season the, uh, of note, of consequence, you can't go one and two to start the year. You can't. So the Louisville game, no matter if you win the LSU game or lose the LSU game, becomes the fulcrum game. I really think that that's true. Well, I'm looking at everybody's favorite FPI on ESPN because we don't have a future line, or at least I couldn't pick one up in a couple minutes for FSU and Louisville. And the FPI says in the matchup predictor of ESPN. Oh, FPI, does it? Yeah. It's a 52-48 proposition favoring Louisville. So yeah. coin flip game, if you want to parlay that into, no pun intended, a, a wager and a line, three, three and a half? I would guess Louisville by three. Yeah. Three and a half, you're right. Yeah. Right now. Uh, That's their home opener, interestingly enough. I would, yeah, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if Louisville, hmm, well, it'll be interesting. They are another one of the teams on this schedule, and there's a ton of them, unfortunately, that have a really savvy, experienced, talented, successful quarterback. Um, there's the kid that I didn't, I, he was wildly inconsistent, so I didn't think that much of him. But as the season went on, he just became a guy you could kind of depend on to make plays. He certainly made him against us. For a half, yes. Well, yes, and I we got better defensively. Uh, I still thought he made enough winning plays in the second half when they had to to sustain drives and some things like that. But um, the the point would be they'll be favored, and I think rightfully so. As a refresher, their schedule begins at Syracuse. Yeah, it's a win, and then they play at UCF on a Friday great, before they play us. Great game. Yeah, back to back Fridays for Louisville. That fits them. They seem like a Friday night team. That's the old Big East in them, right? Yeah. They got a little USF to them. Hopefully they have a whole lot of USF to them in game three of our season. Be good news. This is the week where I sit around and I go through all the scenarios for records and I start thinking about, well, how are you going to win this game? How are you going to win that game? Oh, there's no chance to win this game. Oh, you know, you could pull off an upset here. The Louisville game is the one I keep coming back to. LSU is more talented than we are. They're rightfully favored. It's virtually a home game for them. I kind of don't expect to win that game. I'm not saying we don't have a chance to win that game. I'm excited to see how we play in that game. There are some built-in advantages for us in that game because we will have played one and they will not have. So I do think that helps you to hit the ground running a little bit better in the first quarter um, of that game. But but the Louisville game's the one I I keep coming back to. I get the measuring stick of the Atlantic and and having to pass these teams that are in your division that you you should be superior to, and it's frustrating. I still believe, given the circumstances and the calendar, that the LSU game is more important for recruiting because it's a Sunday night of Labor Day weekend. That's when everybody's watching. watching. Friday night is a split time. High school kids are playing. Not going to be watching as much. They're going to read it in the papers, or maybe they'll be able to watch the fourth quarter if they really care that much, but they're playing that night. And you've got a bye week after the LSU game to go hit the trail and go visit some schools on a Friday night the following week. I just The benefits of winning the LSU game to me are greater than that of Louisville. Maybe it's more important for the program just in a status standpoint to say, all right, we're finally passing Louisville. Satterfield is no longer this guy. All right, we're, we're, we're exceeding expectations in the ACC. But if you're just looking for kids' opinions, LSU is the bigger game. 
freaking Satterfield. On the ropes, and then all of a sudden, looks like he's maybe going to survive. Oh, yeah. Their NIL program is amazing, apparently. If you're hearing this right now, and you or someone you know is active military, a veteran, police officer, firefighter, nurse, or a teacher, good news for you, my friends at the legendary team at Hamilton. No, legendary team, home ones. Legendary home ones is what I should say. where they are. Yeah. Then they're, they're helping you out. They're doing the right thing here. They're giving you discounts galore. You save uh, all kinds of money, by the way, with their uh, on their lender fees, and they waive all of that for their hometown heroes benefit. That's uh, sixteen hundred dollars worth of value. I'm just not just willy nilly saying save sixteen hundred bucks, and then you get another six hundred. Uh, look, if you use their lending company, save more money twenty two hundred bucks. It's worth it. FSUHomeLoans.com. That's uh, one way to do it. 844-FSU-LOAN is another way. So give them a call today. Shannon will be happy to talk to you about all things loans and do you right and use his expertise to ensure that you get what you need uh, and and feel good about the process and the transparency. But also, he's a diehard Nolan. It's our season. So call, get the loan, talk a little football. It's a good experience. FSUHomeLoans.com. Come back, wrap it up momentarily. Rest in peace, Paul Sorvino. Pauly. Gone. Uh, really? Yeah. Well. So Leota's dead. He outlasted Leota. He did. De Niro's still with us. Pesci's still with us. Um, I'm trying to think. Yeah. Lorraine Bracco. <laughs> still with us, still buddy. Still smoking away. Yes. Yeah, st- still with us. Oh, man. Well, I, I, Goodfellas was 1990, so yeah, man, it's been a minute. He he, he had a good run. He's kind of he had a great role in the Rocketeer too. That's right, he did. Let's do probables. Fire it up. Let's get it oh, on. Come buddy. on, Here you tripped me up with oh, the tragedy. Well, I wasn't trying to trip you up. I just wanted to get it out there. Say a little R.I.P. It's time. It's time for how you say with the pitching uh, probables. He goes into the kitchen. He's on the run. What's he give him, like, 1500 bucks or something like that? Yeah. Yep. Life's worth of work. Now i got to turn my back on you. Back. Oh. Marlins Reds, Trevor Rogers, Nick Lodolo. Rays Orioles, Corey Kluber, Austin Voth. Braves, Phillies, Max Reed, Rangers Suarez. Guardians Red Sox, Zach Plezak, Nick Pavetta. Padres Tigers, Sean Manaya and Drew Hutchison. Pirates Cubs, JT Brubaker, sorry ass. Adrian Sampson goes for the Cubs. Angels Royals, Noah Syndergaard, Zach Grinke, Rockies Brewers, Kyle Freeland, Aaron Ashby. I watched your Mets last night. Watched the bomb that uh, Alfonso hit. Yeah, that's um, yeah. That was uh, Alonso. Musgrove. I said Alfonso. Alonso. That was old Musgrove hung a two-one slider. Well, and Joe was cruising, and then that inning. Everybody. And was then cruising. that inning went. They went nuts. We got 18 innings of four-run ball from the starters. They had zero runs of support this weekend. Yeah, that slider. And it was, it, it was hung, but he still had to go down and get to it yank it to left? Yeah, to yank yeah, it that, to left. Yeah, that's, that's impressive. But that's a good ball club. I mean, they're about to get Tatis back. Uh, mm-hmm. Old Tish has a good ball club there. 
Rockies Brewers, Kyle Freeland, Aaron Ashby. We got Astros Athletics, Jake Odorizzi, Adam o- uh Is that Euler? Oh, it's Oller. Adam Oller. Get a get it, Jeff. Giants, D-backs, Jacob Junis, Tyler Gilbert, Nationals, Dodgers, Paolo Espino, and Tony Gonsolin. Finally, Rangers, Mariners tonight. Glenn Otto. Hi, I'm Glenn Otto. Welcome to Glenn Otto. Chris Flexen goes for the Mariners. That's a look at those that shall reside on the moment. Man, it must be fun for you this year. I watched the entirety of the Pirates game yesterday that we lost in extra innings to the Marlins, and I can live with the losing because that's what you do when you have our roster. But um, one of the problems I'm having, especially because you saw we obviously traded Vogel back to you. Mr. Oktoberfest! There he is. I love watching him play. You're going to love watching him play. He's such a fun player, and he's a good player, and he plays hard. Fat ass was wheeling around third last night. I was cracking up laughing. I saw him do it all year long. Um, he is massive. He's a massive dude. And he hits like he's from 1927. I mean, he, yep. he has that little choppy. Well, the one he hit, the bomb against the Yankees. I was up yeah. in New York watching next to a Yankee fan. He goes, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the ball was hit. Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a big dude uh, and a fun guy to watch play. He, he went to straightaway center when I was in Atlanta in the first inning off of Martin. Uh, but it was, it was, I was like, Hey, Renee, check out this guy. Look how big he is. <laughs> He's huge. Um, but I like the picture, the picture we got from you who's unhittable. Apparently uh, I mean, Holderman. Yeah. Yeah. A 96 mile per hour sinker. He hasn't given up an earned run. He's been good. He's been good. Well, we but turned, they didn't trust him in high leverage. So that's why we were willing to part with him. Yeah. I, when we turned around Vogelback for what you do, you pick a guy off the scrap heap who had an injury riddled season in Milwaukee. He hits a bunch of home runs. You trade him for arms and assets and that's all you can do. But it still breaks my heart because I like watching him play. Man, our ops was like 400 with DH this year. So that that's going to help. Yeah, it'll help. Good work out of you. Good work, Matthew. Be well, everybody. Have a great night. We'll talk to you tomorrow.